Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley, the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the DS Radio Network. That was the voice of our beloved Marty Oakley, who passed on May the 1st. She was and will always be the backbone of these programs. So we honor her for being a warrior and an amazing advocate. When a person dies, a library burns to the ground, and so it is with the loss of Marty. Rest in peace, Marty. We have to watch. Good evening. I'm Marcia Joyner, and this is Betrayed by Hospice, where we talk about advocating for the elderly and disabled and provide information on how you can better protect yourself and loved ones now and in the future. This program is sponsored by National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower's Life, Australian Association to Stop Guardianship and Administration Abuse, and Shenanigans in Pennsylvania. Toward the end of the program, I will provide resources and tell you what you can do to help change laws governing our elders and their care. We can all help by taking action. Stay tuned for more information. And for those of you who know me, you know I love gardening and all of God's critters, and I feed them. I'm a sucker for bird and squirrel feeders, birdhouses, and bird baths. For the past week, there is a huge crow who has visited my bird bath several times a day, and I'm okay with that, except apparently one of my neighbors is feeding large pieces of bread, and he likes to dunk it in my water, and of course it becomes soggy, falls apart, leaves gunk, so several times a day, I clean it out and put in fresh water. And incidentally, bread is not good for birds because it has no nutritional value. It fills them up so they don't eat the good stuff, kind of like me. If I eat junk, I don't want veggies. But it reminded me of my younger days when my mom and dad took my sister, brother, and me on picnics. And we threw out bread for the birds because we didn't know it wasn't good for them. Mom made pineapple sandwiches using the can to cut round pieces of bread, spread mayonnaise on it, and a slice of pineapple. Pineapple sandwiches are good if you've never had one, and if you check it out, let me know what you think. So why do I bring up pineapple sandwiches, bread, and birds? Simply because it made me think of sweet memories with my parents, and I smiled and I was happy. Most of us have lost loved ones, but when we lose them to corrupt medical facilities gone rogue and they literally murder them, our grief is often unbearable. We have to find those happy memories and hold on tight. My mom was murdered in Georgia at the hands of hospice staff, and I didn't know then what I know now. In 2019, I met our guest, Carol Herman, the president and founder of Foundation Aiding the Elderly, known as FATE, and during tonight's program, I will be referring to it as FATE. I had exhausted everything I knew to do to bring my moms to justice. I contacted multiple attorneys, CMS, Capper, KeyPro, who were supposed to investigate and resolve complaints. No one did anything but whitewash. Then after meeting Carol, She and her staff went after that hospice facility to seek answers on why they failed to keep my mom safe. They attempted to ignore the letter 
And Carol was like a dog with a bone and told them on uh, no uncertain terms they didn't get to ignore a regulatory requirement. Ultimately, they lied as expected, and there is no justice but at least they had to respond, and I got some satisfaction of making them squirm one more time. And my mom's case is documented in the event any investigation were to ever happen in the future. FATE is a nonprofit group whose mission is to assure our elders are treated with care, dignity, and the utmost respect during their final years when they can't take care of themselves anymore. She and her team have helped many families across the country and filed hundreds of complaints with regulatory agencies responsible for overseeing medical practice and procedures. FATE reports abuse violations to the proper authorities and initiates advocacy action to improve care. Their objective is to bring about national reforms and enforcement of the laws. Carol Herman became an advocate after losing her Aunt Matilda, which she will explain that. She has protected the weak, fought the powerful, demanded the government do its job, and the doctors fulfill their Hippocratic Oath. Since 1982, she has accomplished all of these, and she continues today. The first 20 years, she worked a minimum of 40 hours a week, helping patients and their families at no salary, and has donated thousands of dollars of her own money. Her website is the number 4, F-A-T-E dot org. If you feel led to contribute to this mission or just to seek more information, because she has a lot of information on this website. For those who are calling in, if you wish to ask questions or comment, press 1 on your phone and we'll be taking calls towards the end of the program. For those listening on the Internet, if you want to call in and speak, dial 917-388-4520 and press 1. Also, if you were looking online, the contact data for Carol and Fate are revolving on the slides. All programs are archived and can be listened to at Blog Talk Radio. Just search Marcia Joyner. Please join me in welcoming Carol Herman to our program tonight. And Carol, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm going to let you start with telling us how you became involved and founded FATE and why this is so personal to you. Sure. Well, thank you, Marcia, for having me on and for the tribute to Marty. Um, we all miss her. She was a great resource and did a great job of what she was doing. And it's too bad that she left us so early. But that's life, isn't it? Well, it is. Um, it is. Well, I I got involved. Um, my aunt ended up in a in a nursing home here in Sacramento, California, um, after she was over medicated by a new doctor that she went to, who gave her all these drugs that she had never been on before. And uh, I can remember when she first started seeing this doctor, and I would say, Auntie, why do you have all these, me- what's all this medicine here? You've never seen, had these drugs before. And she goes, oh, this new doctor said I'm suffering from heart failure, from diabetes. She didn't have diabetes, but just all these different things. I thought, well, that's weird, you know. I, we didn't think she had any of those illnesses. And she was, oh, she was 78 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. 
So she had so many drugs that she ended up having dizzy spells and falling, and she fell, the last time she fell, took a fall, she broke her hip and ended up in a nursing home. That's my first introduction to long-term care uh, skilled nursing facilities. Um, Subsequently to that, her going into there, we found out that the doctor had an interest in that nursing home. Now doctors cannot have interest in nursing homes. But in any event, she had a large family, which we weren't the typical nursing home. She wasn't the typical nursing home patient. She was private pay. She had a lot of family that saw her every day, and yet she was terribly abused in this facility right in front of our eyes. We had no idea about anything about nursing homes. Nobody really did in 1982. You know, the press wasn't involved in it. Uh, just it, People just didn't know about nursing homes. So I took it upon myself um, to uh, – we had a, I got a phone call that she was being rushed to the hospital, and I said, well, what for? And they said, well, for decubitus ulcers. And I went, oh, I didn't know what that was. I said, what's a decubitus ulcer? Well, it's a bit sore. Oh, well, what is that? So long story short on that, she died. She she got to the hospital, and the next day she was dead because she had stage 4 bit sore, and it was septic, so she got blood poisoning from that. Now, all this time that she was in that facility, which was about a year, nobody in that facility would ever communicate with us about anything. Why isn't she talking? Nobody had an answer. Why isn't she walking? Nobody would have an answer. But, you know, we thought she was in a hospital. So uh, after we had the autopsy, we got the medical records and found I started seeing all these drugs. And what they had given her was antipsychotics, which caused her, because uh, antipsychotics hit the muscle system, so it caused her not to be able to get out of bed or not even to be able to do physical therapy. Well, obviously they lied to my family about her condition. She was just over-medicated. So she ended up dying. Uh, we reviewed the medical records, and I thought, well, i got to do something about this. So I started investigating nursing homes and how do they operate, are they licensed, etc. And since I'm in the state capital of California, I had access to the capital and to the agencies in California where the headquarters is. So uh, I prepared, and I have a brother who's an attorney. We went through the records, and we said, well, you know, we didn't really want to file a lawsuit you know, let's just file a complaint with the state regulators and nobody will ever die from a bed sore again in a nursing home. That's how naive I was when I started. Right. You know, people just didn't know about what was going on in these places. So I filed the complaint, and I'm a businesswoman. It was very well documented. We had an autopsy. I even had it in a binder, tabbed, everything. Took it to the head of the agency here in Sacramento. And for... Over a year, he stonewalled me. I'd call the office. I'd, you know, want to talk to him. I could never reach him. Never got a response from the complaint. So I finally went to the attorney general's office, and they did an internal affairs investigation. And it turned out that the head of the agency destroyed my complaint, threw it in the garbage, hoping he would never hear from me again. Wow. So that's really what started my mission. And I was the first person in California to go through the whole due process in California. You, you file a complaint, you can appeal it, then you have a headquarter hearing. And it, it takes a, quite a while to do that. But I was the first person to do that. When I went to the headquarters office, they didn't know what to do with me because nobody had ever filed for a headquarter review before. 
So Mr. Drury was his name. Um, he was fired. He should have gone to jail. Didn't. But he was fired from uh, in his employment at the state of California, lost his pension. He could never work for a government agency again because he was of his deceptive practices. Um, so he went to work for the nursing home industry. That was oh, wonderful. Place. So yeah. it was a perfect place for him. So he stayed there. Actually, he stayed there for many years until he died because I always kind of watched what he was doing. So that's basically what started me doing this. I had no idea what I was getting into. Fast forward 40 years. We have served over 9,000 families, and we have clients in every state. So I'm proud of the work we do because we've helped so many families prevent, you know, abuse of their family members. But the problem is is that it's worse now than it was when I started. And that's a, right. I hate, I hate to say it, but it's true. Mm-hmm. The industry got very big. Uh, then, then all of a sudden there were assisted living facilities, residential care facilities, all these places for the elderly because, you know, the baby boomers were getting older, were, you know, aging more as a society, uh, were living longer. And so obviously long-term care became a hot topic and a way to make money too, um, nursing homes in particular because they get government money. So that's basically how I started and um, I think you might have reviewed uh, re- reviewed on my website the Geraldo Rivera show. I went on that show in 1986 uh, and brought the Isabel Miller case uh, to the national attention. Uh, she was uh, under a conservatorship. She was guardianship, and that was my first introduction into conservatorships. We call them in California, maybe guardianships, guardianships in other states. That was my first introduction. Now we have nine banker boxes full of cases all over the country on conservative abuse. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of an and expert wanted, in that now. Go ahead. Well, I want to stay on the um, Geraldo show because I did watch that, and I did post it in our Facebook group, Murdered by Hospice. Um, it was interesting to watch him. You know, he was so young then, and you were so young then. Oh, my but... gosh, I know. I look pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so did he. It's fun to look back on that, right? You know, 20, Oh, and it's really hard years to look back. Guess, oh, my God, I cannot believe that. I, I was 40 years yeah. ago. I cannot believe that. Actually, right. that was even it's amazing. Four, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it went by But fast. you were so strong, and, you know, when there was a guy that was up there talking, and he was basically trying to undermine what you were saying, and and he just wasn't listening at all. And even when Geraldo gave him facts about how bad the nursing homes were, mm-hmm. and this is back in 1986, he wanted to sway those figures and say, well, that – you know, that requirement, you know, when they're saying that they didn't do the right thing, it's really because, you know, somebody didn't, you know, close the door or somebody didn't dot an eye. Oh. He wanted yeah. to minimize it, and the look on your face was priceless because, I mean, talk <laughs> about an eye roll, and, you know, and you, you know, I think he even, you even started to say something, and he said, let me finish, but, I mean, he was a jerk. And oh, well, he, he, was the, he, yeah, he was the president of the National Nursing Home Industry Association. So mm-hmm. these are the guys that they're lobbyists for the nursing home industry. So he, didn't, he was there to protect them and, and say whatever he could to 
you know, uh, make their the nursing home industry look good because that's what his job was. You know, he had it up. But he did it. He failed miserably. No. Oh, and of course. the people in the audience who were in the nursing home also had something to say. And I mean, it, oh, it was yeah. an incredible show. But sad to look back because that's 1986, and here we are in 2023. And as you just said, things have gotten much worse. Yes, it's really, it's, uh, and, you know, there for a while, you know, I really felt good, well, I still feel good about the work I do because I can help people on an individual basis, on a daily basis, but there for a while, you know, it seemed to be getting better, and then, boom, all of a sudden it just changed again, and a lot of the big investments, uh, investors came in and were, especially in the assisted living facilities, they started building all these uh, assisted living facilities, and they're called a real estate investment trust. And so they give, they'd get all these investors, and the investors are saying, "Well, wow, our portfolio is getting you know pretty large." And my thing, when because I've had a lot of articles published in newspapers and done a lot of TV work, and my suggestion was to those investors, you got to go look at, under the sheets in those facilities because the building right. might look beautiful and you're making a ton of money off the real estate but what is what kind of care is being provided to our most vulnerable citizens so you know i i i don't know of another organization in the country that operates like we do because we take no government money here unlike the ombudsman program which is touted all over the country by the system oh call the ombudsman call the ombudsman well, they're controlled because they get government money. They can't do what we do. So we're we're very aggressive here, and we want everybody held accountable. Um, right. And so that's, you know, but it's very difficult because the system, when I first started, if you want to become an advocate, boy, they're against you. They don't want you in there. And at the time, I had been in the software business, and I had a pretty high profile. I took a company public, and people thought software was underwear, you know, now everybody knows what software is. So, and I kind of pioneered that industry as a woman, and I obviously pioneered this advocacy work as well. So I had no idea that I'd be doing this more than any career, any job I've ever had or any company I've ever owned. Uh, I had no idea that it would grow the way it has. But people are desperate for help because the system is not helping anybody. Quite the no. contrary. So, you know, we just do here on a daily basis, we help people. Uh, uh, since we are a 501c3 and uh, we're headquartered in California, we have filed uh, three actual lawsuits against the Department of Public Health here in California for not doing their job on investigating nursing home complaints. We've won every case. The courts have ordered the department to obey their regulations, and they'll be okay for a while, and then... All of a sudden, it goes gets bad again, and I have to develop my next case. So, and we have a good database here where I keep track of all of our complaints that we file uh, on a timely basis so I know when they're in violation. So we just filed another one about a year ago, and um, it, you know, it takes a while to go through the court system and all that, meetings, and the attorney general gets involved. And, but we won that case, too, so they're under court order again to do right. what they're supposed to do, and I'm monitoring them and uh, to make sure they do. And when the, when the time period comes up, if they haven't finished their job, I'm on their case right away because we have a good database here to, you know, to uh, watch the time periods. So basically, you know, this is what we do. We got involved in 
conservatorship abuse because of that Geraldo show. The, the woman that we featured there, Isabel Miller, was under conservatorship. I had no idea what that was until the Isabel Miller case. So now mm-hmm. uh, we do a lot of work on conservatorships. And I was very instrumental in getting the fiduciary board established in California, that private fiduciaries now are licensed in California. And at the time that that happened, which was about 12 years ago, maybe even a little longer, was a result of the um, of a three-part series that I worked with um, the New York, um, the L.A. Times on conservatorships. And that was the first oh, it was three days. It was in the newspaper three days in a row. That was the first time that I ever saw anything about conservatorships on a national level. And so, that, explain to um, the, the listeners, in case somebody that's listening doesn't. Most people do. But just in case somebody doesn't understand what conservatorship is, explain that conservatorship and guardianized are the same thing. Yeah, I always right. Guardianship usually they refer to that mostly with children. Uh, conservatorships, at least in California, conservatorships are when um, a person is no longer able to take care of themselves. Uh, the court. And if the family is not doing it, the court um, will get involved or, uh, hypothetically, the lady lives next door. She's elderly and her house starts falling apart. So somebody reports her like, oh, maybe she's being abused or whatever. So usually what happens is Adult Protective Services comes in and say, oh, here's this woman. She's living all alone. She owns her house. No, No family. Usually it's no family. Uh, but sometimes it's family gets involved. Um, so what the AP of Adult Protective Services will do is they'll report that to the police, and then the police will call in public guardians. Every state, every county in this country has a public guardians department. And so they come in and conserve the person. It's a court pr- process, and they take total control over that person. They control their person, their money, and any property, they control everything. It's very scary because they, if it's to the public guardian through the counties, at least there's a place that you can go and complain, but they're very protected because they're government, so to speak, government employees. But then, oh, quite a few years ago, uh, this popped up where these private people were saying, huh, maybe this is a good career move. And how I got really involved in it is there were public guardians for Sacramento County that actually left their employment as county guardians, working for the public guardian's office, started their own businesses. Well, they're very wealthy people now. Right. Very wealthy. And they only would handle anybody who had money. So in other words, if you're the bag lady out on the street... They don't want to. They don't want to conserve you. They don't want to be your guardian. They want people to have lots of money, and that's the type of people that they get. Is people that have lots of money, and if there's sibling rivalry going on, oh, that's their. That's a pure candidate to get the party conserved. If the children are fighting over the money, or they're fighting over anything, because the family is you know, separated now. They're fighting. Now here's mom with all this money and property. They swoop in and take over and they go to court. And even if they have a will and a trust, the court will 
overrule that will and trust and appoint a guardian. The judges will say, well, you know, there's fighting going on in his family, blah, blah, blah. I will appoint a third, uh, an interested party, third party, and I'll appoint a private fiduciary. And there's little to no oversight by the probate department. So it was open, you know, open season for these people to get a lot of money in what they did. And they charge for absolutely everything. And from what I understand, in I'm not going to say all, but in most cases, the judge and the attorneys are all involved. They know exactly what's going on, and everybody is getting their pockets filled. And for that little bag lady that you were talking about, the bag lady on the street, Mm-hmm. What happens to that person because they don't have any money? Well, they get sent to you know a assisted living, a memory care, a, right. a nursing home that is not a very nice one because they're not going to get much money out of it, and exactly. she doesn't live very long. Whereas exactly. those under conservatorship are going to live longer because they are milking their money oh, away God. from Good. them. I have a really good case that I'm working on here in California, and I'm having some really good results. Um, good. And, and I have a lot of these. Mother, you know, a late 80s, son who's never married, lives with them. I have a lot of those cases about sons that are living with their mothers. And there's nothing going on there. They're not taking advantage. But somebody, you know, the mother gets dementia. The mother got dementia. She was kind of wandering around. And some neighbor reported, so Adult Protective Services swoops in, and they find out that this woman, who's who's been declared incompetent, with her son and her son, and he was a, I'm not saying he was a bad person, quite the contrary, but he had some drug issues in the past, and he's not the smartest person in the world, but you know he loved his mother and she loved him, and they lived together and took care of each other, and they found out that there was property involved. And this is in a very upscale area in Los, in the um, by the ocean, actually, in Southern California. So they swooped in, conserved the mother, got away with it, made the son look like he was this bad character, and um, he owned 50% of the one one of the pieces of property. It was w- well over a million dollars. They swooped in and sold it, and, and he never signed. And he, he's a joint tenant on the property. Never signed a listing wow. agreement, never signed a sales agreement, never signed an escrow paper, didn't do anything. The pub, the guardian, the private guardian did it because she got a temporary conservatorship. And she was appointed to be the conservator and the successor trustee on her trust. So but didn't powerful. They over, weren't you able to overrule that because oh, he I owned never knew part of that property? I, ne- I know, never. but now, I mean, was oh, he able now? to? Oh, okay. So here's what's yeah. happening now. Okay. So uh, it was very obvious that this person is really tied in with the court. And I have real issue with the judge on this. So when I got involved, now I have five people that are under this conservator with all these problems, properties being sold without an authorization. Um so uh, I'm very involved. I have, um, I think I mentioned that there's a fiduciary board here in California I helped establish. I've got four complaints against her now. Uh, 
uh, for her her dastardly deeds that were all illegal. So I'm doing it that way now. Um, real estate fraud, complaints with the fiduciary board. Uh, they moved her into a nursing home and denied the son his visits to her. Well, it's not his denying him. They moved her into a nursing home because she got really ill and they didn't have a choice. The son kept calling um, the fire department to come look at her because she was at their home. But this conservator, also with her her husband's her lawyer, different names, so you don't even know, lawyer, because every private fiduciary has to have a lawyer to file court papers. But he's her lawyer. I mean, he's her husband. But nobody knows that because they have different names. Well, they also oh, okay. have they hire they hire this in-home care company to come in and take care of the woman who's under conservatorship. Well, they own the care company. That is totally against probate wow. code. No, so kidding. I caught them. Oh yeah. So I'm going through the necessary steps of filing complaints with the necessary boards and the real estate boards, the real estate department of real estate. I'm going through the necessary procedures to get her license yanked so she won't be a conservator anymore. She ought to be in jail. Oh, she should. I'm hoping that it'll result in that. Well, there right. was a hearing last yeah, there was a hearing last week and they came the judge came back with this two-page <laughs> probate notes demanding that she come back to court in a month and answer all these questions. And it, it stems from my reporting to her on her her connection to the uh, care company. She's made, it's against probate code. You cannot refer to companies that you have a, a financial interest. And her, and her husband being an uh, attorney. attorney. And yeah. so they're, they're, keeping, they're keeping all the money to themselves. And controlling her. They were locking in her room at night so the son wouldn't go in and talk to her. Oh, all kinds of horrible, horrible things. Now, was she on. left at her home or was yes, she, they she kept, was put into a, no. they kept her in no. her home, well, but she, they allowed him they, to live there. Oh, yeah, but he couldn't have, he, he monitor, he couldn't even go in and talk to her without somebody watching him. Now, here's the coup de grace. Wow. In 11 months, she is the guardian or conservator. Um, she was billed on her mon- on this woman's money, billed for the in-home care. You ready for this one? Probably 200, not. $255,263 for 11 months. Wow. 255000 Wow. Well, that's under the scrutiny now of the court. Now... I know she's filed other accountings, and this this company that's owned by she and her husband, the the court had to know that. Well, they have to have court, multiple clients or, or multiple oh, oh, uh, prisoners. What they call how them, prisoners? How about 156 that I know of? That <laughs> can you imagine? The, can you imagine? Yeah, how can you handle? The accounts and the and the accounting and the money and all for a hundred and fifty. That sounds like that sounds like the April Parks um, in Las Vegas when she was doing that. Who, oh, by the it, way, oh. is now in jail. Good. Yay. Good. 
well, you know, somebody's got to take action here. And I'm very jaded. I mean, and why shouldn't I? 40 years of never getting a good call. I never get a good call about anything. So I'm pretty jaded about the court system. Like, how are they allowing this to go on? It was just like several years back, there was this big operator in uh, Orange County who did a lot of residential care facilities. And she had an assisted living facility in San Diego. Well, she was purporting to be a doctor, okay, for 20, over 20 years. Well, in my investigations and stuff, I found out she had a phony degree. Her degree was actually purchased for $1,600 from a a defunct company in London that sold um, uh, college degrees. So you can you can say call, you can call them up and say, well, I want a degree in business administration from USC. Okay, that'll be sixteen hundred dollars. They send you a wow. diploma that looks real. Well, I caught her doing that, and I um, got her out of the business. She can no longer hold the license. That's a long story. Well, she wasn't. Yeah, she, she wasn't a doctor. A real license. No, she had. Right. She was. Right. She had. She had videos on the internet with a stethoscope around her neck, wearing a white doctor's jacket. That's how blatant she was. So when I filed right. the first complaint with the medical board that she was impersonating a doctor, and they were just like, "Oh my God, this is terrible!" Blah blah blah. And I said, "Well, how could she have gotten away with that for over twenty years? It was like twenty-four years." And they said it's because nobody filed a complaint. And I went, there you go. Mm-hmm. If you suspect something, don't think that somebody else is going to do it. So that's, that's right. one the squeaky of the you know, wheel. So squeaky wheel gets the oil. So I filed the complaint. Fast forward, mm-hmm. that took about uh, that took about two years maybe to do that. Uh, she no longer has any uh, interest in uh, residential care facilities. And if she ever she if ever applies for a license again, she'll never get it. So it just wow. takes it, t- it takes some moxie to it, do that, and it uh, takes you got to know which nothing it takes a lot of time, a lot it of takes time. a lot of time mm-hmm. and a lot of frustration because the system in place really doesn't protect us. Mm-hmm. Every case that now, I've worked on. The um, situation with Aunt Matilda. Now, I know mm-hmm. you never got justice for that. Um, no. You know, they I'll just tell you why. shoved it under the carpet, right? Right. The, right. Way, the same way they did with my mom's. But when I look at that, because she had bed sores, and on the Geraldo um, case that um, Isabel Miller, the same Riddled situation, with- and she was – talking riddles like normal she was when she was talking to charlie 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 yes yes charlie yeah charlie when she Fish. was talking to charlie she was like i'm not crazy uh, you know oh, yeah. and they're they're abusive to me i mean she was very literate and oh, speaking very. very plainly and this is what was happening to her and the bed sores that we are finding out that people have in these facilities is horrible and, and it's, it's preventable. It's preventable. It is. Preven- yes, it is. Absolutely preventable. It's caused by poor nursing care. And, you know, the, the industry, the nursing home industry, if there's lawsuits, they'll, they'll bring on an expert and say, oh, well, that person had diabetes and, and bed sores were, you know, part of the deal. And I'm like, no, it isn't. It is not. I'll bring you 10 other nurses or doctors that will come and tell you, no, it's poor nursing care. You've got to relieve the pressure. 
Are we still there? I heard a click. Hello? Hello? Uh-oh. Hello, yeah. Oh, uh, hi, Carol. Guess who Guess who this is? Oh, hi, Debbie. I thought maybe we got cut off, but see, you... I think, you, yeah, I think uh, Marcia got, um, you know, uh, fell off the boat, okay? She'll come back on. Marcia, if you can help, if you can hear me, call back in, okay? Um, don't, I won't end the episode, but just uh, go ahead and call back in. Okay. Okay. So how are you, Debbie? Well, Debbie, this is, you know, not a conversation for you and me to get into, but I, I will continue about what I was talking about. <laughs> yes, you know, Because Debbie right and here. I, you know, Debbie was a client, yeah. and I helped, you know, I worked with her on her dad's death and some <laughs> legislation in Florida that we have not yet been successful for, but that's okay. You know, our time is coming. Um, that's right. And Carol, so I, what, I, I what's wanted, the time frame? Oh, Oh, on there you are. Oh, we got him now. Yeah. There she is. Yes. We, yeah, I, wanted, you got I was listening off. in. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Thank so, you, Debbie. No problem. When you, were, when you were talking about Isabel Miller, uh, there's another key point here. I could not see Isabel Miller for four months after Charlie Fish told me about her. Mm-hmm. And um, and I said, well, I'm going to go up there and see her. I want to talk to her, too, and see what's going on. So I went up there, up to Auburn. It's about... 50 miles out of Sacramento. I went up there, and they uh, they refused to um, um, they refused to let me in. And I said, "What do you mean? Uh, oh, you can't see her. She's under guardianship, and you got to get approval from the guardian, et cetera, et cetera." So I said, "Fine." So I went to the public guardian's office in Placer County, and ooh, they didn't want to hear anything from me, and I'm demanding to see her. And I'm an advocate, you know. And this was probably well. This was probably after I'd only been doing this work for maybe two years. But I still, you know, I knew I was on the right track. So I kept bugging them, bugging them, and finally I got the press involved. I mean, I did a lot. Finally got to see her. And um, when I went in to see her, they had her dressed with gown that came just to her fingers so you couldn't see her arms, couldn't see any of her body. They hid all of her bed sores. And they had this beautiful, she was also blind, by the way. Oh, no. They had this beautiful afghan on her. And, and I said, oh, Isabel, this is a beautiful afghan. She goes, well, it's not mine. I've never, I don't know what that is. They just put it on me today. <laughs> they must have had 15 people in the room with me. Staff, guardian was there to try to intimidate me. And I'm not easily intimidated. When I'm on to no. something and... If I think I'm doing the right thing, they can't stop me. So pretty soon she starts telling me about these pills. She's like, give me these pills, and they make me very dizzy. And Well, she was they were giving her antipsychotics. So as soon as she said that, oh, your meeting's over, and they wheeled her out. I, I spent, I would say, maybe at the most 10 minutes, they wheeled her out. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're, I'm, oh, no, no, no more questions. Wheeled her out. She Did died. Did she have any fam? Oh, Did she, she had a granddaughter. Family? A granddaughter dumped her there. Never came back to see wow. her. Now, so she was, you were not she able was to stop the meds. Oh, no, because they were all in power. Oh. But I filed complaints with them against the state. And the the uh, NBC News here did a lot of stories on her. And uh, they actually, the producer and the on-camera 
reporter were up for an Emmy for that program, News Emmy. For the, you know how they have the Emmy Awards for television shows? They also right, have right. one for news. They have one for news. And I went to the, I went to that. She was up for the, to win that award. She didn't win it. Another, something else won it. But, but she's in, her whole story is in the, uh, the program for the uh, news awards for uh, the the Emmy Awards, her her story is in that book. Mm-hmm. So how so much felt- after that did they actually kill her? Oh, she di- I never saw her again. She died. So it was sh- shortly after that. Oh, I went. To, she died probably a week after that day. I went to see her. Wow. And you know, she was causing too many problems. Oh and they boy, they tried to get. They oh, they want, wanted to get. Oh yeah, they wanted to get yes, rid of me. they wanted to get rid of you. They wanted to get rid of her. They didn't want to have anything that anybody was talking about because it was no. such a horrific. Oh. And and again, sadly, it's it's tenfold worse than that now. Oh yes, of course it is. And and you know, I I felt so bad for her that this is how she ended up. She was she had been a print model in her youth. And, I mean, we're go a print, you know, uh advertising print. Like she was a the face of have you ever heard of um oh my god, now I can't think of the name of the soap Pears, P E A R Pear Soap. Pear soap. It's still sold today. She was the print model for their ads in the 30s. Oh, in the 1930s okay. and 40s. She was and mm-hmm. she had a few, she had a few parts uh in movies. She was a beautiful woman. Yeah. That's how she ended up. Wow. Under under conservatorship and they put her in a room and she died from bed sores. But I had some people that were working the system that knew I was on the right track, and one day appeared at my front door were those pictures from the morgue. And to this day, I don't know who sent those, who left them on my doorstep. The ones that were on the Geraldo show? Yes. Oh, I have a whole I have a whole series of pictures that were taken of her in the morgue. And somebody got them to me, and I actually blew up one of those pictures and took it to the little Hoover Commission hearings here in California about nursing home abuse. Oh, my God. And I stood up and said, I want to, you know, uh, this is how people are ending up in the nursing homes. And I had the picture of her body blown up to about three by, oh, five by five, something I had on a a Mm -hmm. plaster board. Oh, yeah, I showed it at the committee. And they're going, oh, my God, she's showing pictures of dead bodies. Because the system tried to stop me. They didn't want me doing this. Well, of course not. I mean, you were exposing them. It's a crime. It should be a crime, and it should be punishable. But because people are older and they say, Oh well, you know they're not living a good life. She doesn't know what she's doing. Oh they yeah, don't, they're old. You know, I don't care if you have dementia, or if you're old, or you know, I just lost a friend the day after Mother's Day um, to cancer, but and and I believe they did her in as well. I mean, they uh-huh. she had found out that she had it in her liver and in her bones. She broke her hip. They did radiation to strengthen her bones, supposedly. 
I've never heard of that. They did the hip surgery, and then they put her under hospice. Supposedly she was going to come home. Less than a week later, she's gone. And one of the neighbors said, well, she's going to be home. She's really strong. And I said, she will never be home. She is under hospice now in the facility. She will not ever make it out. Oh, no, no, she's strong. I said, she will never make it out. And she didn't. They got all the money from her for the chemo, for the radiation, oh, yeah. for doing oh, hip yeah. surgery, hospital mm-hmm. visits, mm-hmm. and then you know when hospice her. when hospice raised its head quite a few years ago, and you know as jaded as I am, I thought, oh, that's kind of the beginning of euthanasia. I really, I still believe that. Um, and I've been criticized for that, but uh, so what? I mean, that's how I feel, and I'm seeing a lot of people, they come in, hospice comes in, and it's all just drugs. The, the morphine, the Ativan, and all the drugs to keep them, you know, let them die in, in, you know, palliative care or, you know, no pain. It's just give them more drugs. So, right. and years ago, the doctor had to, you know, had to make a statement that, the party had six months to live. Well, I've got clients that are on been on hospice five, six years, and it's I go. Well, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense to me. Why would you put a, somebody on hospice that's not going to be dead in six months, or it's not you know their diagnosis isn't that they're going to die in six months? But this is how I I have seen how hospice has grown so much, and um, it's all about. Comfort care. Well, comfort care is death. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And they know that, and they don't tell. You know, if you told somebody, you know, my friend had cancer. She was in pain, okay? So she did yeah. need something for pain. But yeah. And if you, if I have cancer and I know that I'm dying and I'm in pain and it is imminent, you know, and it's like, you know, I know in the next couple of weeks that somebody is going to die. I mean, oh, know, yeah. they're withering away. And right. you tell me that if you give me morphine, that it's going to, you know, help me breathe. I don't care what you tell me, but I'm not going to be able to talk and, you know, but I'm not going to be in pain. And I right. say, that's what I want. I don't want yeah, to find so much right. pain. That's what I want. Then I have consented to that. The problem right. is, is. These people are not consenting to it. They don't know what it's going to do. They're trusting the person in the white suit. They're giving them antipsychotics, which are black box drugs, should never be given to these people. And they don't tell them what it'll do. And they are, you know, Haldol and Seroquel, that it is horrible what they are doing to our elderly. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we're a – well, look at TV. Look at TV. What do you see on TV in advertisements? The majority is either beer – or it's drugs. You know, if you want to go dancing tonight, take this pink pill. If you want to do this, take the green pill. It's all about drugs. And the one that kills me the most is that Ambilify. Oh, if you're on an antipsychotic and it's not really helping you, well, then take this yes. Ambilify and on top of it. On top right. of it. I mean, on top of, I, and then I, it tells you... It might cause this, and it might cause this, and it might cause a death. Right. And I'm going, well, who but, would take that? Well, and, But they are. 
They people. This is a drug engine. No, and this is a drug drug society. Everything. Take a pill for this. Take a pill for that. I avoid big pharma. I'm very very fortunate that I'm healthy enough um, that I don't have to take any medications. But I avoid big pharma like the plague. I think a lot a lot of dementia is drug induced dementia or alcohol induced dementia and the alzheimer's association i gave a presentation several years ago uh, to a very large group in northern california on one of their conferences well they'll never invite me back because i directly hit the fact that medications people are being over medicated the elderly take too many drugs and this, the medical system is not is doesn't care Doctors don't study pharmacology. They listen to their drug salesmen. So um, they won't call me back again. They never have, and they never will. But they will not address the fact that Alzheimer's, I, I don't like that word, it's Dr. Alzheimer's. He, he did, I always refer to it as dementia. You know, they will not address the fact that people die from a lot of alcohol-induced dementia. They won't address that, and they won't address the drugs. They just won't do it. So, fine, you don't want to address it, fine. You know, I I still talk about it. I still try to write about it in every one of my newsletters. I try to put something in there about the antipsychotic drugs and how bad these drugs are. I'm not a doctor. I've never purported to be one. Uh, But I've had uh, one particular case, because I do a lot of uh, uh, presentations to groups, I was given a presentation to some woman's group, and there were a lot of people there. And there was a woman sitting in the front row, and she kept giving me dirty looks. I thought, I wonder what her story is. And I got into the when I got into the drugs and how doctors do not study pharmacology. So go to your pharmacist if you've got questions about the drugs. Go to the pharmacist. That's who knows about the drugs. Well, I have a question and answer period, and she raises her hand. And I called on her and. She says, well, I disagree with you. I'm a doctor, and I, I studied pharmacology. And I went, oh, gee, I'm really very sorry if I misspoke. Could you tell me, how, uh, did you, was it a three-year course? Well, no, it was six weeks. I went, well, I'm sorry, but I don't think that's studying car- pharmacology. Six weeks yeah. course on medications? The, the pharmacists are the experts, not the doctors. And they listen to their well, there's six sixty thousand drug salesmen in this country. And, well, and if they show up and you're they're in your doctor's office and your doctor takes them back, especially you know you've got an appointment and all of a sudden this it, and you tell who they are they've got their satchel with them. Oh and yeah. They go back there into the doctor's office and they're just chit chatting away and they give them samples and oh, yeah. there is you know getting them to use. Well, Abilify, let's just use that as an example. Everybody, you know, give this and you'll get so much money because, you know, you're giving this out. Or the um, Cipro. On your script, yeah, of course. and Mm -hmm. Levaquin are drugs that are causing so many problems with people and their Mm -hmm. joints. I mean, I've been reading a lot about that. And that is a horrible, horrible drug. And Mm -hmm. they're giving this antibiotic out to people and they're having reactions. 
read the documentation on drugs before you take them. They give you a sheet when you go to the pharmacist. They give you a sheet. They tell you what all the side effects are. And, yes, they have to list. If one person out of a million had a problem, they're supposed to list it. But when you've got it saying it could cause death, it could cause severe joint issues, then we have the ability yeah. now to Google anything. Oh, Back in the I 80s, know. we didn't have that ability, Carol. No, we couldn't look no. things up. There's no I excuse used... now. No. To, you know, and if you have an older person, like my dad couldn't look anything up. I looked everything up for him. Mm-hmm. And my neighbor that I was telling you about that, that, that died, two weeks ago, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she didn't, you know, she didn't get into the Internet and stuff, and I looked up all the drugs. She was on 18 different oh medications. Oh, my God. That, I mean, and that in four itself of is them, caused. <laughs> yes, yeah. four of them caused um, dizziness, anxiety, irritability, uh-huh. and, yeah. you know, drowsiness. You know, is it any wonder that she fell? Of course. And, See, that's know, what so happened to all, my aunt. This is all she the was, information. Yeah. They get, you get disoriented. Um, I mean, it's it's. But we're a drug-oriented society. Uh, you know, they took alcohol off uh, commercials on TV many years ago, and, and cigarettes. But sort of creeping back in again, if you notice it, every once in a while. Well, the beer commercials—they're always well. On. Yeah, Budweiser, and I think they've oh, yeah. shown themselves. And oh, yeah, they I hope nobody the, ever the buys Bud time. again. Hey, really? Yeah. That's but, disgusting. You know, uh, people want quick fixes. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, it's uh, it's just amazing to me. But I see so much of the bad side of of big pharma that boy, I avoid it like the plague. I avoid it like well, the plague. Uh, there isn't a quick fix. Like, no, there isn't a quick. There's not a happy pill. There's not something that's going to keep you from you know if you're depressed. It's not something that you can take that's going to no. keep you un. You know, depressed. Those are things that you've got to work with with somebody, and you know, get out of that state of mind. I mean, I, you know, I don't have that issue, and I'm not saying it's not a real issue. Um, but with dementia, they want to give people mind-altering drugs, restraints. Yep. You know, yep. they want to give them chemical restraints, yep. and that is a, nothing more than a chemical re- constraint. And a chemical so, why restraint. don't you talk to them? You know read books to them or, you know, have a movie or sing songs or look at pictures or go get ice cream or something. Right. There are other ways to calm someone diversion. down. Diversion. It's called a diversion, of diversion. course. Diversion. Thank you. But, you know, right. older people like my family, my family came here, my mother's side. I'm a first-generation American. They came over here from the old country. And they think doctors are gods. Well, I don't. I mean, nope. yeah, they're very smart, but they're body mechanics. And... Yeah, that your life is in their hand. I have a respect for them, but you know, wait a minute, they don't know everything. And you everybody knows their own body. So, you and you have the right to make your own decision here. Just because a doctor says, "Well, you got to take this medication." That doesn't mean you have to take it. I mean, if you no. look up I have a very, very close friend. I hope she's not listening. But she was having some back issues. And the doctor put her on this medication, and I noticed that, you know, she she started slurring her speech really bad. Well, I looked up the drug. It's gampapentin. Well, one of the side effects of that, oh, Mm. that drug is horrible. One of the side effects, slurred speech. I kept saying, now this has been going on for a couple years. I kept saying, 
you shouldn't be on that drug. She started calling me Dr. Herman. Well, we're mm-hmm. Dr. Herman, I, you know, I need this. And I said, what do you need it for? Well, pain in my back. And I went, really? It's got all these side mm-hmm. effects. Well, she never stopped it. Well, she can hardly speak now. She can't speak mm-hmm. because she was on it for so long that it did permanent damage. And it was all from that right. drug, gabapentin. Right. Gabapentin. Yeah. Gabapentin. My friend, gabapentin. Was, what I was telling you about, was on that too. Oh. Uh, my mom was taking that, and I was talking to her, and she, my dad, you know, she had a bedside potty, and she would go forward when my dad would tell her to back up. She would walk forward, and she was talking really crazy. You know, I was talking to her on the phone. She's in Georgia, and I'm 650 miles away. And and I said, Mom, what are you taking? And she told me, gabapentin. Well, they've got me on gabapentin, cause it, and it's for restless leg syndrome. And she said that her legs felt better. And I said, well, I don't think you should take that. You're just talking really strange. Yeah, yeah. And she says, what are you, a doctor? That's funny mm-hmm, that your friend mm-hmm. called you that because my mom said that. And she she wound up, I was halfway down to Georgia talking to her on the phone, and she goes, I don't want you to come right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling up to having company. And I'm like, my mom always loved for me to come down. She looked oh, yeah. forward to yeah, it. Yeah, see, that's a, that's a red flag right she there. she wound up in the hospital. By the time I got there, I walked in the door, and she said, call 911. And, uh-huh. and I said, why? She goes, because something's wrong. Yeah. Something's wrong. And I looked at my dad, and he goes, something's seriously wrong with oh, her. Oh, seriously? Well, yeah, my attention. Uh, it is. Horrible. My, my girlfriend now, about two weeks ago, uh, she can't drive anymore because she had a am, an amnesia attack, and I forget what the medical term is, but she went shopping to Macy's. Next thing mm-hmm. she knew, she was in the emergency room. She has no idea what happened. This has no recollection of it. Apparently, she went into Macy's and passed out, and she went in there. And she has no recollection of going in Macy's. She has no recollection of buying anything. Was she a gabapentist? Yes, this is the one that okay. got the slurred speech. Okay. Who now can, gotcha. after that episode, she can't drive now. The doctor says, oh, no, you're done. Because you, you never know when you're going to have another one of these, I forget the medical term, but it's it's, an, it's a form of Psychosis amnesia. or something? Oh, I forget what it's called. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have brought it up because I can't remember. But it's a form of amnesia. <laughs> it's a form of yeah. amnesia. And I went, oh, my God, now she can't drive. And and here she was taking her husband around for doctor's appointment because he is crippled with Parkinson's. Oh. So I thought, well, this is great. Now you can't drive. Right, uh, right. And it's all could have been stopped. From when we were, we were at a luncheon one day and with three nurses, girlfriends of ours that went to nursing school, and they're all, all retired now nurses, and one of them said to her, Geez, what's happening with your speech? I mean, it's very noticeable. It was, and she goes, oh, well, Dr. Herman here thinks it's my medication. You know, she's being <laughs> smart again. And so the nurse yeah. goes, one of the nurses says, well, what are you taking? And so as soon as she said gabapentin, they all three simultaneously said, get off that drug. Get off of that medication. Well, she never did. Uh-huh. So they know, so, too. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, People still think that the doctors rule, 
and uh, whatever they say goes. I, I am just the opposite of that. Doctor, you can make any recommendation you want. You can tell me anything you want, how to, you know, what treatment or you, you think I should take or whatever, but it's my decision, not yours. Right. And so a lot of people don't know how to deal with that, and I know every time I go to uh, for a hospital discharge or, you know, some type of a thing in a nursing home where the doctor's there, and they just act like, well, we know what's going on. I say, you know what, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know what's going on here because they always will say, well, what medical school did you go to? I said, I don't have to go to medical school. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what's going on here, especially after no. 40 years of doing this work. No, but they, knowledge, you know, knowledge is power. Power, and absolutely. Absolutely. And see, I came from the software business, and I heard that in the late 60s when I got in the software business, and people didn't know what that was. And that's what they information is power. You've got to have the that's information. Right. That's why that's Gates right. and all those people have so much power, because they control the information. And Big Pharma so, does. And Big Pharma. So, you bet. Yeah. You bet. Debbie, you've got a comment? Yes, I do, Carol Herman. I wanted to give you a big shout out and your and your staff for all you do. Um, oh, thank yeah, you. Oh, it, it's awesome. You have been a great inspiration to myself and my family since 2015, and in all your support of you know helping out and and leading us in the right direction on these punitive damages here in Florida, and we're not going to give up, you know. Right. And, and I've and Marty and I uh, back. Let's say back. It was back in 2014 and 2015. We interviewed you, and may Marty rest in peace. Her advocacy will continue on, yeah. and the great interviews you have done, even on the World Elder Abuse Awareness Day on uh, for June 15th. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A great spokesman on that. And everyone, please, if you want to check out some of her archive shows where Marty and I interviewed her, just go to the PPJ Gazette online and the search, and you can uh, search Carol Herman or Foundation Aiding the Elderly, okay, or on Blog Talk Radio because they were outstanding shows. And you and, and Carol Herman, you are so awesome. We need a thousand oh. more of you. Well, you and know, I'm morning. I'm just stubborn. When I when I'm on something, I'm on it. And you know, when yeah. I went to when I was going to school, I the, the well the high school I went to had enter to learn, leave to serve, and I had no idea with that saying. And still on that same high school I went to, I had no idea how that in, would impact my life. And it did. Mm-hmm. And it did. Yeah. And look at it you. Did. I mean, since what, 1980? It was 82? 82. You were doing this? Yep. And I, I look at it and I was like, wow, check this out. And everyone out there, you know, check uh, Foundation Aiding the Elderly. They're on Facebook and they have the website. See how you can help out and, and make some donations because it's at a great cause here. You know, oh, we well, can't work you, for free yeah. out there. Yeah. You know, and and you whatever it takes, maybe five, ten dollars, twenty, whatever you can afford, and spread the word out there, because we are the voices for the elderly. You yes, know, we, and, yes, we are. And, and without us, they have no, they don't fight a, you know, a standing chance. 
And, and, and Carol helped me to get this in legislation, what I got going on here in Florida, the creator for the amendment changes on the punitive damages, everyone. And that was the first time in my life, Carol, ever doing this, putting in legislation, you know, and with the representative and you, you know, supporting us on my father. And, Carol, yesterday was his 15th year anniversary of oh, his death. Oh, really? Oh, I yes. wish I had. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Debbie. I would have recognized yes. that. I'm sorry. So oh, he, was, he died. It was, it was 15 day. years ago on, on the on the 23rd of May? Uh, yes, yeah. of 2008. And, and to um, tell the audience, my father, he was an ex-professional wrestler, Chief White Owl, um, of WWE, he wrestled from the late 50s to the early 80s, okay? He was a great father, best friend, I mean, son, uh, brother, of everything to everyone. He loved his family, friends, fans, and wrestled for 32 years. And when he got dementia, I mean, it was terrible. It was a nightmare, yeah. you know, and he was only 69 at the time. Okay, and then what triggered it, he ran away from home, and they Baker acted him, okay, and uh, oh, it was a, a nightmare, Carol, from then on. And mm-hmm. they said, okay, we're going to, you know, um, evaluate the meds he was on. So they, you know, kept him in the hospital. And they said, okay, now we're going to put him in a nursing home, temporary stay of 120 days, and then he can return home. Okay, well, he walked, talked, fed himself when he went in, and and my mother, Patricia, she's a wonderful mother and, and best friend. I love her to death, and she's also listening tonight, everyone, so she's a great supporter. And after 62 days, we demanded him out of there. She was giving me these all these horrific stories of what was going on here. I says, Mom, we got to get him out of here because this is this is a turned into a total nightmare. We got him out, and then we got him to the uh, next nursing home. We, he had to be transported by ambulance, okay? And he couldn't walk, talk, or feed himself. And they got him to the, nur- the second nursing home, and they said, oh, we got some very bad news. And this was after they cleaned him up. He lost 32 pounds in eight weeks. Uh, both rotary caps and the, the uh, shoulders were turned where they dropped him and notified the family four days later. Malnutrition, dehydration. He had uh, decubitus ulcers on both of uh, his feet where they put size 8 on him. And he was a 10. He was over-medicated. Mm-hmm. Um, we found out he had bed sores down to the bone, stage 4. I seen him. I couldn't, I was shaking so bad. My mother was, we both were crying because we know this was a turn for the worst. And he, he looked at us. Yes, go ahead. What, what did he go in for? What, why was he, why were they keeping him 120 days? Oh, oh, evaluation on the drugs he was on, you know, and and he was supposed to return home and never did, you know. Right, so, but, yeah. but he was put in, they were going to just evaluate him for 120 days? Yep, yep, and then return home. And, it, and it, I mean, it didn't start out this way at first, Marcia. And I mm-hmm. want to do a 360 here. I want to thank you for continuing Marty's voice on these shows, TS Radio Network, because you are doing a great job in standing yeah. with well, thank you, you, okay? Guys. 
I mean, it, and you. you and calls both and Reverend Ralph. I mean, it is just so inspiring to hear you guys keep Marty's voice going because we all miss her, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, but uh, Carol and I, we have done shows. You know, I was co-hosting with Marty for over seventy-five shows. You yeah, know, on elder abuse, guardianship you. abuse, World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. But um, anyway, uh, when he got to the hospital. This is where it really turned into a nightmare. Um, but, Debbie, I, I used... think what she's trying to say is, what caused your dad to end up in the hospital? Did he have a stroke? I forgot. Did he? No, what no, happened he to was, him? okay, what was going on is his bed sores, I mean, they were so bad. No, okay? no, no. Before that oh, even happened. The before that? Why? Okay, what happened he... to him physically that he had to end up in a nursing home? Okay, this is what happened. They put him, you know, how you Baker Act him and everything for like, I think it was like three days. But That's did, when did, the do- I mean, did he have cancer? Did he have, did he break his leg? No. Did he have? No. Just because uh, of no. the dementia? Yes. Is it because? Yes. Okay, because they Baker Acted him because they said he had dementia. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, because he received, this is what triggered it. He ran away from home. That's okay. what triggered it, okay? Right. And then when they caught him and everything, they decided to Baker Act him for three days. And that after was, uh, that, 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 is that what's called, I, mean, I hate to interrupt you, but is that, did they put him in a psych unit? Is that what the Baker Act is? Yep. Well, see, in California, they call it a 5150. That's 120 days then. Right. Okay. And here in California, okay. they call that a 5150. Uh, and all they do, and, okay. yeah, fifty-one fifty. They put them in there when they escape, and they call them when they escaped or they eloped. What they they use that word? Then they put them in these psych units, and they just give them drugs. Oh yeah, get right. more drugs because he was he was so over medicated. Oh, it's, you know it's he didn't awful. even know where he was at, and it was so sad and heartbreaking. And that's when after he got Baker acted in the, the psyche, then they say, okay, the doctor said, okay, now we're going to put him into the nursing home temporary, right. you know. For rehab. Uh-huh. Uh, for rehab and evaluate right. the drugs he was on mm-hmm. and then, you know, release him after 120 days if he everything goes well. And this was What drugs was he on? Um, I have the name because um, this has been going back years. Um, but he was, I have was he on antipsychotics? I believe that's what it was, yeah, because we looked into those drugs, you know, give to the attorney, and these weren't the right drugs to give him, and it was sickening. You know, in the courtroom, uh, Carol Marcia, this was a jury trial, you know, for wrongful death. It went on for a whole week. You should see this big foul thing I got from the court, okay? I mean, we, my mother, you know, I wasn't on the lawsuit. She was, but I helped, you know, I was standing beside her all the way, and so was my brother. And when, you know, I was dealing with the attorney a lot, and I said, Mom, you shouldn't be going through this. I shouldn't be going through this. My father shouldn't be going through this. But somebody has to go through this. And I was helping. I said, if we need you, we'll bring you in or any questions. And everything. So in the court, this was in, back in November of 2012. You know, the nursing home was found guilty of wrongful death and falsifying records. Mm-hmm. And so now here's the here's the thing. That's when I met you, Carol, in 2015, and got with you, and you helped us. I mean, ultimate support. I met you on. Uh, as a matter of fact, I met you June 18th. 
of 20. There you go. Yes, yes, <laughs> good you memory. What you do? No, what yes. you do? Go pull your no, records? I have, a, I have a good database. Wow. Yeah, because uh-huh. this happened, I think, June, somewhere in between. I called you, I remember, and remember you from interviewing you on the radio, and I knew you could help me, you know, help this mm-hmm. family. What mm-hmm. a good memory. Yes. So well, they, they should uh, have other agencies like yours, Carol, and especially in oh, Florida, hey, listen, because I, there are so I can't, many. I, I know it. I, I, well, it's difficult. I've, I've, you know, had staff people. I haven't found anybody to step up to the plate to do the work I do. It, you gotta, you have to have a lot of moxie, boy, to stand up to these people, just like I had to stand up to this facility yesterday. Big boys too, yeah. big chain. Well, and you're a powerhouse, Carol. She's a powerhouse. She's a fireball. What about the what? groups that are like the right to life? You know, every, supposedly every state has a right to life group. Yeah, but, uh, but and usually they're they do helping do this. No, they uh, usually those play. They don't want to rock the boat. You know, they want to provide. And I should. I'm not bad mouthing anybody that starts these organizations to help people. But this advocacy work, when it comes to fighting the nursing home industry and the system that's in place to protect us, man, it is tough. It is not easy because everybody is feeding off of this. The politicians are all making money. The pharmaceuticals are involved. Uh, big money is involved. They don't want anybody like me. They've tried for years to get rid of me. I had my life threatened. I said, bring it on. You're going to call me up and threaten me on the phone. You're a coward. If you want to threaten me, come and do it to my face. Oh, no. Come to it's, my office. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very mm-hmm. difficult to do this type of advocacy work. You're up against a big industry that has a lot of money. They have a ton of money. I've never met a poor nursing home operator. They're very wealthy people. And, you know, you can provide good care and at a reasonable you know, amount of money. You can provide good care. You can still make a good salary. You can make a good income. But the industry is very greedy, and there's a lot of money. It goes clear to the top. They pay the hands-on caregivers nothing minimum right right and they make all Mm -hmm. the money and they're on bonus and these facilities that's the big boys they're they're on bonus programs so if you can bring more money to the bottom line you're going to get a bigger bonus this year mary so what does mary do mary cuts staff cuts food and make cuts wherever the big expenses are so that mary's bonus is bigger has nothing to do and that's part of and part of the the restraint for the the patients because put catheters in I don't know if they can do that in nursing homes or not I don't know but you know if they have somebody restrained in their bed and so they don't get up and wander around or they don't ask for anything they don't you know they bring their food to them but they're too drugged up to eat anything right, they fall right. out of their bed so they put the the guards on the side of the bed so they can't even get out of their bed oh it's, it's uh that's that's elder abuse when you when you confine somebody like that or they they don't well, they lose their glasses or they abuse. yeah they lose their glasses or they don't have their teeth well that's a form of elder abuse so right. but the, exactly. the but i the big the number one biggest there were two big problems one, the industry does not staff to meet the needs of the residents. That's big. But two, is that there's the regulators are failing us all over this country because we have filed complaints, not in every state, but a lot of them, 
Florida, one is one Texas, uh, Arizona, Nevada, Oregon, and they steal the drug. I finally, after years and years, finally was able to get enough proof to have a nurse in the state of Oregon arrested and in prison as we speak for stealing the drugs because you know these drugs have a big street value. So, you know, if you've got an antipsychotic pill and you go say, well, you know, give here's Mrs. Smith, give her an aspirin. She doesn't know the difference. I'll take that pill and sell it on the street for 50 well, bucks. You know what? Honestly, I would rather them do that than give that to those innocent people, the victims that are in those I, beds. I, I, I would rather I them that. steal the drugs and sell them than give them to those people. Right. I, I understand Seriously. that. But... You know now they're now know the drug of choice. Now the drug this and when I first heard about it, I I I, I was shocked. I said, methadone. What's methadone is being used in nursing homes? I thought that was a drug that heroin addicts took to get off of heroin. Now they're giving it to nursing home patients for pain relief. I went, oh my God. Do you know what the street value of those drugs are out out of the outside? Oh my God. I, I know they're getting that those drugs are getting stolen all well, the time. it's like fentanyl, right? Oh it's yeah, like the fentanyl oh, yeah. patches that they were taking the fentanyl patches that were put in trash cans, taking them out and chewing them. Yeah. Oh, I mean, because like I said, we've got a drug problem. In it. There's a big drug well, problem. Well, we do. Yeah. But, and but you know, when I look at that, and I think it's it's sad, and and you look at all the young people whose life it's affected and, and died from it. Mm-hmm. And I look at that, and I think they consciously are making it, you know, an addict is an addict, and, and I'm sorry, but they are consciously making an effort to take that drug, to go out and look for that drug, find somebody to buy it from, pay for it, and take it. Oh, yeah. My mom and Debbie's dad and Aunt Matilda and all these other people are not asking to be given drugs no, that they are put into no. a coma and they die right. from the drug and dehydration and starvation. They didn't ask for that. That's These right. other people that they ask for the drugs, they take it, they consensually take it. Our loved people didn't take those drugs. That's right. That's a very good point. Very good point, Marsha. Very good point. And it's true. So I don't know what, yeah. the, you know, what, what, you know, who knows what the answer is to any of this. Well, we do know what the answer is. Well, yeah, regulations are put in place. They should have to follow them. I'm a believer that there are plenty of regulations on the books. They're not being enforced. That's right. And then when you go to the politicians that are passing these laws, and you put it right in front of their face, this is what's going on here, and they're not abiding by the regulations that you put into place, and what are you going to do about it, and they do nothing. I quit going to Washington. I used to go to Washington, D.C. one or two times a year. I'd go to meetings, or I'd you know, be on a committee for something and, and give a presentation. I quit going, because I thought, I'm talking to a brick wall here. You know, these politicians well, say, oh, well, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. But then it never stops. So why am I wasting my time and energy when I can be helping somebody on a daily basis to help them through the, you know, the uh, go through the system or get good care of which they deserve when I'm wasting my money and time going to Washington and talking to a brick wall? It's, well, it's uh, not right. Uh, it's, that's to, sickening. 
we vote them in, right? And they are supposed to be doing what we want them to do. Now, I recognize that they're not doing that. But if we do not let our voices be heard, if we do not stand strong, call our state representatives, and the more people that do it, that let them know, we voted you in, and we need need (laughs) regulation. We we need you to follow this. Yeah. Okay? So that number, the nationwide number to find your state representative, is 202-224-3121. And you call them, give them your zip code, and they will tell you who your state representative is. Or Mm -hmm. you go to house.gov backslash representatives, and you can find out who your representative is. Contact them and let them know that you want the regulations to be followed and that our elderly are being mistreated, our people in hospice are being murdered. If we don't speak up, we can't complain later that they didn't do anything. Absolutely. You have to to speak up or nothing will ever happen or nothing will ever change. And, And it... And even when you do speak up, they try to get the system tries to get rid of you. And I can understand that because you're an outsider. I know mean, I was an outsider. They don't want anybody to rock the boat. They want everything to be copacetic. You know, they don't want to, you to interfere with their jobs, uh, which you know I have an well, issue with. Well, their job that. is to protect the people. Yeah, but they're but that's not what happens. <laughs> and I no, think it that isn't. most. I think that most politicians, from my standpoint, most politicians are very pure of heart when they start. And they go in, they get elected, and they really are pure of heart. <laughs> but then they, get in, then they get into the system and they think, well, wow, I'm never going to accomplish anything here unless I join this the swamp, which so to is, speak. Which is why we need term limits. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things okay, that so, yeah. have to be done. But this country, yes. at, this, at this particular juncture in the history of this country... Is scary. It's very it is. scary. What we're, I mean, our country is becoming socialistic right in front of our faces. Right. And but, but that's then not, do you bury your head? Well, that's what they want or, you to do. They, or like I mean, COVID, you bury I mean, your I don't want to live in fear, yeah. or you, you know, be a bulldog like you. Yeah. So you know, I don't she's know. She's a pit bull. She's more like a pit bull. That's pit bull. She's a that's true a nice warrior. Pit. Yeah, well, yeah, because bulldogs, I give you a bulldogs are not really. You well, are bulldogs awesome. aren't really that aggressive. Yeah. No, I, I no. appreciate that. It was like I had, you know, I don't know what I would have done forty years ago if I would could fast forward and see myself forty years later what I was doing. I don't, I don't know if I would have taken on this mission. Probably would have, but you know, it gets very you discouraging. Would have yeah, yeah I you would have for Aunt Matilda. Yeah, yeah and, and, it and we gets... feel the same way. Uh, of course, you know, it's discouraging <laughs> to us too. Yeah. Um, there is another a group that I want to mention. It's HaloVoice.org, and they have a helpline which is eight 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 two two one forty two fifty six, and they have resources available also. Now they don't go out and write letters for you like Carol does. Um, but they do have some resources. Um, also, another um, author that I wanted to mention is Michelle Young Doers, and she is a former hospice respiratory therapist. And she chose the patients over the hospice bottom line and wrote right. a book called Killing for Profit, 
the dark side of hospice. Oh, and yeah. so anybody yeah. that's dealt with hospice, you should read that book. There are a lot of good stories and insight into why hospice is doing what they're doing. And I'll tell you, it comes back to what you're saying, Carol, the money. Oh, yeah. It's money. It's always hospice about is money. making money. Nursing homes, the upper echelon in the nursing homes are making money, while the people on the bottom line, you know, the nurses that are there, especially, you know, on the weekend and the nighttime duty that, you know, do the bedpans, they, you know, they don't care. Well, Not all years of them. ago, I, I used to compare it to an aide in a nursing home that does the majority of the work, and it's hard work. I mean, there's a lot of good people that work in nursing homes, and they work hard, but it's the bad apples that make it that make the the barrel sour, right? And they could That's go right. they could go to McDonald's and make more money. The McDonald's right. workers were making more money than CNAs in nursing homes. And so, oh, how long are you gonna goodness. how long are you gonna keep that CNA working in that nursing home when she can go across the street to McDonald's and make more money and get free meals? I mean, and, oh. and well, unless yeah. okay, so like in a hospice situation, and and I do believe this with my mother's head nurse that was there. I believe that she got off on murdering people seriously, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. remember her saying that. When we were, you know, rallying, thinking that mom was getting better, you know, she's getting a little bit stronger, and we were so excited. And she goes, well, you know, sometimes they rally up, and, you know, my grandfather was getting up, walking around the room, and then the very next day he laid there, and he died, and I was touching his shoulder, and I felt when he took his last breath that I was touching the hand of God. So there are also people that stick with it and do that Mm -hmm. because they're sick. And right. somehow they get some kind of pride and power out of lording it over other people and watching people die. I mean, oh, it's yeah. a sickness that you could do that day in, day out. Yeah, I, I, I don't know this hospice thing. I don't know. I, did you, I, you know, I might say for your audience too. There's a movie that I watched many, many years ago that had a major impact on me and still does to this day. And it's called Soylent Green. And oh, if you can ever, you oh, can ever no watch, kidding. Did you see that movie? Oh, yes, yes. With Charlton mm-hmm. Heston? Do you know yep. that about two months ago and my Edward husband G. came in? Edward G. Robinson? Yeah, Edmund G. Robinson. My husband yep. came in a couple of months ago and he goes, Carol, I found this on the Internet. And it's the original Hollywood poster when that before the movie was released, you know, how Hollywood put out these big posters. And, right. And it uh-huh. was on Soylent Green. And you know what year it was? 1976. 20, 20, oh, 2022. No, no, it was yeah. there, the, the whole fast forward to the future was 2022. Right. 2022. And I In went, New oh, York my God. City. Yeah, In and, oh, my City. God, here yeah. we are. Now with the homeless, you've got... People living in the city, and then you got people in the homeless living out of the city in tents. It's almost like it's almost like soiling green. Exactly. It's scary. Exactly. Well, and you got people trying to get rid of the cows. You know, and yeah, remember that's beef another, and oh jam. Oh my gosh, we you know yeah. we could go on for hours and hours. And I see oh, yeah. that. Do you have a call in? Because I see it's almost six thirty. No, do you do, it's, oh. it's almost nine thirty. No. Oh well, that's um, okay. That's where you are. But I have some people on the switchboard. If anybody that is um, on the switchboard would like to ask a question, now would be a good time to do so because we have a few minutes left. Um, 
No, they put their hand up. Debbie put her hand up. Her hand is still up, but she's also live. So she's, she's still on with us. <laughs> she already so, asked her questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Marcia, yeah. I wanted to bring up something with Carol did for us also with me with these, you know, sending letters and everything and dealing with the politician. She also went behind me and wrote letters to all the subcommittee members to ask them to vote yes on this amendment changes. Isn't that wonderful? Every year. Hey, well, but did she, she, Debbie, what Debbie hasn't told, maybe some of your listeners didn't hear this, in Florida, if you sue a nursing home and you get punitive damages... Half of the money goes to the state of Florida, and I I think that is the most outrageous thing I've ever heard in my life. Why would they get ha- this, all this money, like they took Debbie's mother's money from her and gave it back to the state of Florida when they did not monitor that nursing home that caused her father's death? And Debbie That's and I right. have worked together. How many years has that been, Debbie? Six, seven? This is, this is the eighth year now. Eight years. Yes, and the legislature yep. will not... Um, what's the word I'm, I'm trying to repeal? They will not repeal that uh, mandate. And I'm going well. Yeah, that's I mean, because it's eight years, but we're not going to yeah. give up, Carol. We're going no, to keep no. going. You know, right. that's because he was guilty well, of wrongful death and falsifying records. Why should my mother be mandated to pay fifty percent of her settlement and go to go to the state yes. of Florida? I mean, that does right. not make sense. It does not make sense at all. It's like a slap in the face, but thank yes, you for all your – I mean, we're talking a lot of subcommittee members. Remember that, Carol? Each oh, yeah. year we're, we're sitting there, oh, yeah. hey, sending to this one, trying to get him to support this bill to amend the changes. The right. last one was HB 6035, everyone, if you want to check it out. And this year we got to wait for 2024, but I'm still sending the information, and Carol's right. in the back supporting yeah. whatever got- she – Oh, it's all awesome. teamwork. Debbie, I got to cut you off. I got to cut okay, you off. Okay, go ahead. Um, but thank you, we, Carol we got and Marcia. One minute. Yes. But I wanted to also again, Carol's website is for the number four f a t e dot org. Um, Carol, um, you've got the floor. You got one minute left. Oh well, Anything I just want to say? say that you know this is a, a very crisis for elderly people and families, uh, and if they really need to reach out and get somebody that's going to help them, whether it's fate. I mean, I don't have much faith in the system that is being paid by the government because their hands are tied, but we will do the best we can for you if anybody's got any issues. But you got to come forward and don't always believe everything that the medical profession tells you. Use your own good judgment. Know you know your own bodies. If somebody's trying to get you to take medications that you shouldn't, don't do it. Go to the pharmacist. Um, watch out for these uh, corrupt uh, private conservators, fiduciaries that might try to, if your family has any money, they might try to come and take that. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things, but feel free to send us an email or, uh, geez, I've even got the cleaning people coming.